1: What's going on everyone? Welcome back to the Buffalo Bills Podcast brought to you by tippinettower.com. I'm Crystal Kranitz and joining me is Tristan Garnett, one of our staff writers from the site here. This week we're gonna be getting into a variety of things with the Buffalo Bills, including uh, the team ushering in a new era with the new field name. Uh, all the camp stuff, the suspension to Marcel Darius, position battles, thoughts on the first preseason game, and thoughts leading up to the second preseason game on Saturday against the New York Giants. Tristan man, how you doing?
2: Doing good, Chris. First preseason games in the books. It was good to have football back. You know, the starters are going to play a little bit longer here into the second week, so just ready to go for another week and another podcast.
1: I can't wait to see the starters play a bit more, but it's kind of unfortunate that most of the headlines this past week have happened off the field. You got the stadium change. The name has changed from the beloved Ralph to now New Era Field, and then you got Marcel Darius obviously being suspended, which was extremely disappointing. Which one do you want to start with first? you want to start with the field name, the field change? Yeah,
2: let's start with the field change because it, it's been a while, right? So Ralph Wilson Stadium, that was the name of the field from about 99 to obviously now 2016. So we, we can start there. Definitely see how. Uh, and, and of course, too, with uh, New Era taking it over based right in Buffalo. So that's really interesting, the pairing between the two.
1: Yeah, they were saying on the John Murphy radio show that they've been in Buffalo since day one, which is no secret. Mm -hmm. And they've been to so many Bills games, and they've been Bills fans all their lives that they felt it was just the absolute perfect fit for them as a company to take over the name at the Ralph Wilson Stadium and usher in this new era, per se. So I thought it was pretty cool. I think it's a good fit for the Bills to switch to new era.
2: Yeah, like, I mean, obviously, you mentioned a little bit about the presence with new era being there right from the start. Um, They are the official outfielder of uh, the NFL in terms of hats. Um, you know, they got a lot of a lot of values that resonate with the residents of Western New York and Buffalo. So it, it's really interesting, though, the because now the Bills have changed over to uh, they've taken over the corporate sponsor name. There's only six other fields. There's only six other uh, stadiums in the NFL that don't have a corporate sponsor. So being Lambeau Field, Paul Brown Stadium, Soldier Field, Arrowhead Stadium and then the Georgia Dome. So. It's interesting to see that the Bills are kind of acclimating with the rest of the league and getting those that money with the naming rights. Can't blame them, though.
1: Yeah, no, that's a really good point, yep. too, because uh, I still think fans are going to call it the Ralph yeah. just because it's kind of became that over the years. And between all the stories in the tailgates where you got people getting slammed through tables and the epic drinking stories, like there's just so many things that are associated with the Ralph that – may not be good, but they're kind of like this folklore that's added to it that I think people are just going to keep calling it that.
2: Yeah, but definitely, like, I mean, if you're a Bills fan, like, I mean, again, it's going to be weird just not calling it the Ralph for a while. It's going to take some time to set in, but there was just so many bad years there. Like, I mean, there's just, just one playoff year there, just the '99 season, and then from then on, just 16 straight years without playoffs. So here's to new beginnings and uh, new prosperity for the Buffalo Bills with New Era Field.
1: How unfortunate is that? Eh? When you think about all those years and one playoff appearance? Just one. It's
2: got to be the worst, man. So, like, again, as much as you love, uh, you know, the the owner, Ralph Wilson, you know, rest his soul. I mean, <laughs> it's time for a change, a new attitude, a new culture. So hopefully there's new things to come.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't think you'll ever be able to, to downplay his effect on what he had on not only the Buffalo Bills, but the city of Buffalo as a whole. Yeah. That'll never go anywhere. So I, I think people won't forget that. But like you said, it is time to usher in a new era. Unfortunately, a part of that new era has been injuries and suspensions. Yeah. Marcel Darius, man, their superstar defensive tackle. He's Mr. Do-Everything-Along-The-Defensive-Line. Suspended for the first four games of the season because of a violation that stemmed from a marijuana charge yeah. and basically failing on our drug test. Yeah. What are your thoughts on this?
2: Um, well, definitely it's disappointing. And obviously the Bills thought so as well. Um, kind of surprisingly, you don't see this a lot, but uh, they took out a statement and basically, you know, they just really express how disappointed they were with their star player, Marcel Darius. And with him too, he missed the first game of the 2015 season. That also uh, had to do with uh, substance possession. So it's just really disappointing. Like, you know, the rules are what they are and you've got to conduct yourself accordingly. So according to uh, to, to Marcel, he just he missed the test, you know, and so you're only going to miss the test if you know you can't pass it. So, very disappointing on his end.
1: Yeah, I don't get how you can miss the test. You know, so far in advance that he, basically the NFL sets it up in a way where yeah. they kind of tell you, you know, do your thing, yeah. but make sure you get out of your system by this date. Exactly. And I don't I don't get how guys keep failing this. I was surprised. I was wondering if he was going to go the Le'Veon Bell route and basically say that the guy that set up the test didn't give them, you know, enough warning or It just – he didn't make enough effort to get the test through.
2: Yeah, and I mean obviously he, he did the PR thing or at least either him or his team, and he just expressed, you know, how sad he was and how he's going to come back better. But, again, like, you just got to do your due diligence. Like you said, like, we he, know, he knew well ahead of time what date this test was going to be. Like, it's just a complete lack of irresponsibility. And, you know, it's got to hurt his teammates. Like, even though they, they've come out in support of him, you know, deep down, they're like, you know, we're really counting on this guy. We've already got so many injuries as it is. You know, we're facing an uphill battle. You know, like, you got to feel disappointed if you're the team. Feel like he let you down in a in a way.
1: Of course. And you look at the new contract he got this past offseason. Yeah. It's one of the highest paid defensive linemen in the NFL now. Most With that comes an expectation. Stay on the field.
2: Yeah, most guaranteed money for anybody outside of a quarterback.
1: So, <laughs> And he's money. worth it, too. I mean, when we watch him play, yeah. I don't think there's any disagreeing that he's a dominant player out there.
2: Yeah, man, he's got terrific speed for a big man. Like, he plugs the hole. Like, you know, Marcel Darius is the heart of the Bills defensive line for sure.
1: So with him in, him out now, obviously somebody has to step up and fill that void. If you go off the depth chart, it's Corbin Bryant that's just sliding to that spot. Yeah. But a lot of talk around camp right now is about how rookie Adolphus Washington is about to step up and take on a larger role. Yeah. What are your thoughts on Adolphus, man?
2: I like Adolphus. Um, He's somebody that they drafted in the third round. He's from Ohio State, so he's got a solid background, solid pedigree. Um, He can really help the Bills in terms of getting to the quarterback like that is a specialty. And last season, the Bills were terrible at that. They ranked just 31st in the league with sacks. So I think I think he's definitely going to help in that department. It's going to be interesting to see because, you know, as a rookie, it's already such a daunting experience for him. Just coming in and learning the calls learning the systems, getting used to the strength and how fast the game moves. And now, you know, they're going to throw even more at him with Marcel Darius out. So it's going to be interesting to see if he can either thrive or if that's going to slow down his progression a little bit with Darius out.
1: Yeah. I'm curious too, because we talked about Washington on last week's podcast yeah. and I was kind of saying how, you know, I expect him to be a three technique player. That's going to basically be a gap controller in like a Chris Canty type role. Yeah. Now with Darius out, I think his responsibility is going to shift a bit where they're going to need him to be that disruptive inside pass rusher that he was at Ohio State. So that might require him to stay in, you know, maybe a three technique, slide over a bit into two tech, kinda just kinda, you know, try and create some inside leverage to wreak havoc a bit. But I think it's gonna be tough for him to adjust to that because guys are obviously a lot faster than yeah. NFL level, bigger bodies. You saw at times in particular the Michigan State game yeah. last year where he comes off a bit top heavy and can get pushed around. Yeah. If that's gonna stay the same at NFL level, he'll struggle. So I'm kind of curious to watch him. He's somebody that I really, really want to watch during this next preseason game coming up. So I don't know. I'm kind of on the fence with him a bit.
2: Yeah, and I mean, last week was his debut. He was, he was, he was pretty good against the Colts. Like overall, um, the the whole defense for the whole game held the Colts to just 30 yards rushing. So that was a positive. And you know, definitely Washington made some plays. Like he was continuously getting into the backfield. He had a couple of tackles, and he just missed a sack. Like he beat his lineman clean and then he just couldn't quite grasp uh, the quarterback who it was at the time. I can't remember, but it was definitely an impressive debut for Adolphus Washington, so
1: Yeah, I think he's got great hand game. Like his hand technique to keep linemen off of him is really good for an interior defensive lineman, so Yeah. Hopefully, can put it together.
2: Yeah, and that's that's something that uh, apparently Marcel Darius has been, uh, you know, helping him with a little bit. The two were uh, were seen this week chatting, and he was showing him a little bit about uh, his hand motions that he likes. So, I mean, if he can learn from a, a stud like Marcel Darius, that's obviously only going to help him. So,
1: for sure. Yeah. I mean, how could that not help any player in the league right now? Maybe aside from Indomitable Sir, but yeah. <laughs> I think everybody could take a little bit from Marcel's game. For sure. Another position that's kind of open right now for competition is the outside linebacker spot opposite of Jerry Hughes. Yeah. It's looking like it's going to be either Croy Bierman, Eric Stryker, maybe, or Manny Lawson if he can stay on the field. Because yeah. now he's got the impending, you know, off field domestic violence allegations, yeah. and he's still not healthy. Yeah. What are your thoughts on what appears to be a wide open position at the moment? Any front runner you see?
2: Well, like you said, it's completely wide open. Like in practice this week, Lorenzo Alexander got a lot of the first team snaps but rex has really expressed that he wants alexander to be a factor in special teams and they feel like he can't he can't maximize himself on special teams if he's going to be playing so many downs at outside linebacker so therefore you know it's it's open to anybody like you mentioned eric striker um, I would probably just put Beerman ahead of him right now, just because Beerman has that experience. He played in Atlanta for several years. He he has a lot of different experience. He started a lot of games in this league. So just because of uh he's been around the league for a while, I would give him a little bit of a a little bit of a edge over striker, but who knows? Hopefully striker will get into this game to this next preseason game this weekend against the Giants. He'll get his chance and then once you get in the game, you know, the opportunity is yours for the taking, right?
1: Couldn't agree more with that statement when it comes to striker, yep. especially because we've seen this guy come in a nine technique off the edge and absolutely wreak havoc at college. Yeah. Don't know if he can do that at the NFL level, but I'd love to find out and see. Yep. I think what's interesting with Croy Bierman, too, is that he's capable of shifting inside. He's yep. kind of scheme versatile, and which is something that's vital for Rex Ryan. Yep. Um, what about Manny Lawson, though? you think he can slide over if he's on the field? Well, again,
2: just being in this system, he's here last year. He's a veteran. Yeah, like, I mean, he's the guy you want there. It's just going to be how quickly can he get back? Like, all signs are right now that he should be back. Um, again, pending that suspension. We don't know what's going to happen there. Um, you're hearing it's a one-game suspension, reports that it's domestic abuse. It might be something else. So it's kind of a wild card. But, I mean, ultimately right now, you want him manning down the fort until Shaq Lawson can come back for sure. So
1: Yeah, which is kind of up in the air as well. I mean, Shaq is reportedly supposed to be back by week seven. Yeah. but. There's no guarantee with that either.
2: No, and that's the thing. If you know, like again, you don't have a stud like Shaq Lawson available. Obviously, you want somebody who's familiar with the system. Was here last year. It's been around the Bills for a
1: while. So Manny Lawson would probably be your best bet if he's healthy and ready to go. So I kind of get the vibe that we feel that this is going to be a position by a committee.
2: No, for sure. For sure. Like I, I think that's the thing they've expressed in training camp and it's not just on the defense, it's a lot of different positions. Like there's a lot of open competitions. Rex has always been that guy who just wants to feed the hungry players. So if you're hungry and you make plays, definitely he'll reward you for it. So definitely a lot of a lot of openness in this on this team right now.
1: Speaking of making plays, one player that is kind of locked in this position but has been absolutely dominating training camp is stefan gilmore yeah 11 on 11 drills he's been owning everybody by the sounds of it yeah um he's obviously due for a new contract this year Yeah, what are your thoughts on him so far in training camp with the way he's just kind of imposed his will
2: well i'm not surprised like i mean earlier on we were talking about this guy could uh possibly hold out just because he wants that new contract he obviously made the smart decision came to camp and he's decided that you know what he's gonna he's gonna prove to the bills that Kind of, he's kind of going to force their hand and show them, hey, you know what? I'm worth the money. And obviously, he's been really good early on, so it's no surprise. Like again, first round corner, SEC guy coming out of college, and we've seen what he's done over the years. He's improved every season under the Bills, so definitely not surprised. Because I think again, motivating him is he wants that big contract. So,
1: so most elite corners in the league, they yeah. get 13 to 15 million dollars a year. Yeah,
2: are you giving that to Steph? Gotta see. You know, it's for me it's let's see what happens. Like again, he's been killing in the camp. You know, he's he's had uh he's had numerous interceptions, he's been locking down anybody pretty much who he, he goes against. But I wanna see what he's gonna do now that the spotlight is on him. You know, everybody is talking about Stephon Gilmore, so that's the right thing. Him and his agent they've created a buzz. So now he has to make good on that buzz. You know, go out and show us and lock down, you know, receivers week in and week out in the NFL and then We'll see, and then obviously he'll deserve his money if he has that type of season. So,
1: Well, I'm hoping Saturday we get to see at least the start of that when him and uh, Odell Beckham hopefully get some time against each other. Yeah, no, obviously. Because I mean, that would be a lot of fun to watch. I'm definitely itching to see that,
2: you know, because, I mean, obviously Odell Beckham Jr., um, you know, there's definitely a list of guys in here that he's kind of taken advantage of and made some people look silly. So definitely want to see in 2016 how Stephon Gilmore can handle him early on.
1: I would love to see that. I, just, I, I want to see them one-on-one for at least two to three plays. I'd love nothing more.
2: That's the dream, man. We can only dream. Hopefully it happens.
1: Before we get into our thoughts on the first preseason game, I think we'll talk about the offense a little bit here okay. where there's some issues with what's going on still at camp. Um, yeah. People are saying Terod Taylor's running a bit too much. We brought this up on the first podcast last week. Is there a reason for concern or are we just kind of overreacting?
2: I think right now it's, it's, it's an overreaction, but I, I kind of understand – Where is this coming from?
1: Like there's obviously
2: some injuries on the line, like Cordy Glenn, first and foremost, he's been banged up. Richie incognito hasn't really been practicing. So obviously in practice, you're not going to have, you know, your strongest line. So obviously we've seen various defenders have been getting into the backfield. They've been getting close to him. But again, all our indications are that Glenn should be back for week one incognito. His injury isn't really anything to be concerned with. So right now, I'm not panicking because I, I think these guys will be ready to go week one. So I'm not really panicking.
1: You know, on the line there, you bring up the issues of guys being banged up. Yeah. One player, Doug Whaley, said that has improved a lot and has really caught his eye is Cyrus Quanjo.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: A lot of scrutiny last season with the way he played. Yeah. Um, people were even going as far as calling him a bust. Yeah. What have you thought about him so far at camp? I think he's impressed a lot, and his footwork has improved immensely.
2: Yeah, it's interesting because for his career, he's, te- he's usually been a guy who plays on the right side. So right now in camp, he's filling in for Glenn, who plays on the left side. And for some reason, like, he's been a lot better. He's been holding his own. So it- it's strange, but, again, like, for Quanjo, you know, you never know who's going to go down, and he's got to be ready to uh, – to fill that void, so even though he's been killing on the left, and and that's why Whaley's made the comments that he has. At the same time, Quanjo needs to be prepared because you never know who's going to go down. So he's got to be versatile and be ready to play left or right.
1: Yeah, he played left tackle at Bama, and I think because the left and the right side are obviously different. Yeah. It's it's no need to explain that part there. One's left, one's right. But the kick slide is different. The footwork, the breakdown, all of it's a little bit different. Not immensely different, but a little bit different. And I think that's something that took him some time to adjust to last year. Mm -hmm. So maybe he's just got some more comfort playing on the left side where that's his natural position.
2: Yeah, because like you said, in his formative years in college at Bama, that's what he was doing. So that's kind of deep in his roots. So it's kind of no surprise to me that he's kind of just been able to uh, find some of that magic again here in camp on the left side filling in for Glenn.
1: I hope it stays because the Bills, they've, they've, I don't want to say they invested a lot in him, but given the way that their line is shaped up so far, and even last year we saw it kind of become a revolving door at times, Yeah, they're going to need guys that can play well or at least be able to fill in and be a stopgap when things go south.
2: Exactly. And,
1: again, he's he's somebody, like, he, he's been a big name.
2: Like, fans have been expecting a lot of him. The team's been expecting a lot of him. So we just want to see him just be able to just provide some type of substance. Again, just play that filler role and just be versatile. So definitely want to see him take that that next leap and have a good year for sure.
1: Okay, let's get into the first preseason game here. All right. The Indianapolis Colts beat the Bills last weekend 19-18. to Yeah. Um. Ugly score, ugly game. <laughs> yeah. It was your typical first preseason game. Yeah. A lot of bodies coming in and out of the game there. A lot of starters barely played. Like Andrew Luck didn't dress. Yeah. Tyrod Taylor threw three passes. Yeah. Cardell Jones, though. Oh, man. He was impressive.
2: <laughs> yeah, like he was. he was really impressive. And it's kind of funny because everything in camp is just – all you've heard is just, you know, Cardell Jones is just raw. Like he needs time. You know, he can't go in there and be the starter. A lot of people don't even think he's ready to be the number two guy. And then here he comes out last Saturday and just bang. Like, it kind of reminded me of uh, that season where he came in at Ohio State and he led them all the way to the national championship. Like, I mean, he showed you a little bit of everything. The accuracy was really good. You know, on most of his passes, he hit guys right in the hands, right in the chest. He showed you a little bit of mobility, he you the pocket presence. Like, I was just thoroughly impressed with Mr. Jones there.
1: So I know it's only one game.
2: Yeah, <laughs> got to
1: keep it but in context. Did he not outplay EJ Manuel? Is that fair to say? He
2: did for that one game. But again, like, I, 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 know, I know a lot of Bills fans are thinking, hey, well, why can't Cardell jump into this number two? And maybe he very well can. But like you said, it's just one game, you know, and that was against the Colts. He's playing the New York Giants this week, a little bit better defense. So we'll see how he fares. But it's just one game. But he definitely did outplay EJ last weekend.
1: Well, this one game has helped, you know, propel the Cardell hype train yeah. this week. Yeah. All week after that game, it's just been, hey, yeah. Cardell's looking good. Cardell might have a real shot at the number two spot. Yeah. If he has another good game on Saturday against the Giants, watch out. <laughs> yeah. The Cardell hype train's going to be crazy.
2: Yeah, and it's interesting because I, I hope that drives EJ Manuel to up his game. You know, because here you got this young rook who wants to take your job, you know, and – Again with with EJ, we'll we'll see how it plays out. Like a lot of people don't expect him to be back with the Bills next season. But you know, even not even looking that far, like you're a man, you're an athlete. Like competition should drive you. You know, you should push yourself to hold on to that number two job regardless of anything. Don't let this young buck beat you out for that number
1: two job. See, it's funny you say that. I had a friend in training camp last year with the Bills. Not going to name his name for his own reasons. But he was always saying about how E.J. Manuel is just literally nonchalant with everything. Like, when they go around training camp, and they're at Fisher College, he's just kind of, you know, yeah. what's up? He's he's not California cool. He's just E.J. Manuel. Yeah. And that's the only way you can describe him. He's just very, you know, introverted, yeah. quiet guy. Just – he's E.J. I mean, I really don't know how else to describe it, but he is what he looks like on the field, off the field as well.
2: Yeah, definitely. Because even in his whole tenure with Buffalo, like, I mean – nothing's really stuck out for him in terms of like an interview, in terms of like quotes and stuff. Like he's just really just reserved, quiet, seems like a guy he's always thinking. He's always kind of analyzing some stuff. So yeah, definitely it doesn't surprise me what you say about uh, what you heard about EJ for sure. He's
1: not like your pro-typical quarterback. Like, no. What is this? He makes Jay Cutler look enthusiastic. <laughs> yeah. And that's saying a lot because that guy always looks upset about everything. Yeah, it's really hard to do that. So.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and I feel like that's that's part of a quarterback's DNA. Like, I mean, you got to know how to lead men. You know, you got to be that vocal leader. You've got to be that guy who takes charge on the field. You've got to have a voice in the huddle, um, in practice. And, yeah, just never got that vibe from EJ. So,
1: off the air, you talked about the running backs in the first game there and how it's kind of a log jam at the moment. Yeah, We saw a bit of clarity with Jonathan Williams having a great game. Maybe that's going to be you know him pulling away a bit from guys like James Wilder and Daniel Heron. You want to talk about this murky situation a bit? You were breaking it down off the air. How about you get into it a bit here? Yeah. So
2: you mentioned Jonathan Williams. He had a good game. He had about 40 yards or so on eight carries, a 14-yard run. He was really good between tackles. And then, again, compared to those other two guys, we're talking about James Wilder Jr. um, and Boom Heron, Daniel Boom Heron, like those guys just – they couldn't have had worse games. You know, James Wilder Jr., five carries, zero yards. Boom Heron, about the same thing. So definitely this young buck, Jonathan Williams, he's climbed into that discussion for the third running back spot. Again, McCoy is number one. We'd like to assume that Bush will be two. Um, I right now I think Gilsley still has a grasp on the third on the third spot just cuz again he he's been here, knows the system. It's got a little bit more experience, but definitely Jonathan Williams might be able to challenge him in that department for that third running back spot.
1: Would it be fair to say Wilder Jr and I guess Daniel Heron are playing for their roster spot this week? Yeah,
2: and especially with, with Wilder Jr too cuz um I can't remember if we mentioned this last week, but with him, he's a guy He's, he's been given some opportunities on special teams. Um, I believe he was he was on the kicker team. He was, he was a gunner, and he just wasn't impressive at all in that area. You know, and again, when you're fighting for a roster spot, you're on the bubble, like, a lot of times it's going to come down to your additional value. It's just not what you do in the backfield. And, again, he, he did nothing. He was abysmal. But you, you just can't flop like that on special teams. You know, that's, that's where you're going to make this squad.
1: Exactly. Special teams is exactly where a guy like that is going to make this roster. And if you can't even do it there, and then you can't, you know, get any yards, I don't know where they can use you.
2: Yeah. No. So. For sure. So, I mean, he's he's still here. Like, I mean, you know, he, he's lucky he's still here because as we saw, Leonard Hankerson, he made some mistakes in the first game. He dropped three balls and he was out this week. So, I mean, James Wilder, he's fortunate he's still here. So, then another week, you know, he's got to he's got to have a much better game
1: to say the least. So. Totally agree with you. And somebody who took like advantage of Hankerson's drops was Walter Powell. He looked pretty damn good.
2: Yeah, he did. Especially uh he looked really good on that uh that last drive from Cardell. One thirteen. They drove all the way down the field. Powell had a, a big catch on a slant, which is just a rocket by from Cardell, by the way. And then and he unloaded on that pass. Yeah, and then I feel like he caught the he caught the, the touchdown too. Um before they tried the extra point, I feel like that was Powell as well, if my memory serves me right. So
1: that was a uh, Jerboi. Okay, my mistake. <laughs>
2: but Powell just had that that type of game. Like I mean, because he made he made some plays um, on the return game too. So definitely, and I, I, that was rewar- he was rewarded this week for his performance. He got a, he got some a lot of reps with the receivers working with the ones and kind of like that fourth spot. So he was impressive to say the least, though.
1: Who stood up for you on the defensive end?
2: On the defensive end, again, I, I I I think we mentioned him last week, Kevon Seymour. Man, that that, yeah. that guy's going to be good, man. At the corner spot, like, again, six-round pick, not really sure what to expect from him. He's kind of had a, a buzz going all summer in training camp. He's been making plays. And then he comes out on Saturday just completely locking down guys. He, uh, broke, he broke up a pass in the red zone um, on Canadian – um, the guy from Iowa, right now my memory,
1: you know It's my boy, man, Tavon Austin.
2: No, not Tavon Austin, Tav- Tavon Smith, I believe. Or
1: Tavon Smith, yeah. sorry, not yeah, Tavon Smith.
2: Yeah, so honestly, it was it was a nice play. Like, um, Tavon Smith was running like a fade close to the end zone, and Seymour just disrupted it. He made a couple of tackles, and his coverage was good. The only mistake he made was he got caught uh, for, for a P.I. call. But, I mean, I mean, sometimes you can live with those, you know, because, I mean, sometimes that's, that's, that's the difference between giving up a, a big player or a touchdown. But definitely from the Rook, I was definitely impressed with Kevon Seymour. So that's definitely a guy I want to keep more tabs on and see if he can maybe potentially – they were working him out at, at the nickel corner as well this week. So I just want to see, uh, you know, what he's going to do this season if he's been given some opportunities.
1: I'm very excited with the way that he's kind of propelled himself to – just emerges as number three cornerback for the Bills.
2: Yeah.
1: Might even overtake Nickel Roby. And on a side thing, Tavon, sorry, brother. You know it's nothing but love. Damn me to screw up with Austin there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we had him on the podcast last year, so oh, yeah? that's why. Okay. Sorry about that, Tavon. Yeah. Um, another guy that stood out for me defensively was Lorenzo Alexander. Yeah. I know you mentioned him earlier. Yeah. Three solo tackles. Him and David Hawthorne, the veteran. Yeah. Man, they were flying out there. And for both the guys that are fighting for a roster spot, they look pretty damn good.
2: Yeah. And again, with Alexander, you know, Rex just, he just gloats about him in the special teams. So he, excuse me, he was definitely making some plays too in that department. He was just kind of all over the field. So that was nice to see from the
1: veteran. What are your thoughts about Rex Ryan gloating about players in the media?
2: I mean, it, it's very Rex-ish, right? Like, I mean, this is nothing new. I mean, if you're a player, I'd like to. I think you'd like it, right? Getting some props from your from your coach. At least, you know, that's because people have always said Rex is a, a player's coach. So I feel like as a player, that's got to make you feel good. You know, you're here is your coach going out on a on a limb for you, you know, giving you props in the media. I mean, why would you not like that?
1: I think players love it. Yeah. I think he is a player's coach. I just fun. sometimes I find him to be uh, a bit overzealous. I'm like Rex, man chill out
2: yeah and that's the thing right because i mean some of the guys that he is talking about we're not even sure what their roles are going to be it's still very early it was just one game right so i mean you're right he might be jumping the gun a little bit but i wouldn't expect anything less from rex right
1: <laughs> that's always been yeah. him it's in his dna so it makes him who he is sometimes he comes off as a used car salesman yeah <laughs> like he just sounds like it I'm rex yeah. take it easy a bit there yeah Leading up to Saturday, obviously they're the New York Giants like we mentioned earlier. Yeah. We've mentioned a few names here of guys that we're excited to watch on Saturday, in particular Kayvon Seymour, Cardell Jones, yeah. uh, Jonathan Williams. Yeah. Anybody else that you're really excited to watch play this weekend?
2: On the offense, going back to uh, that third wide receiver position or just the the wide receiver battle as well. Like We all know Sammy Watkins is the clear number one. Robert Woods is the number two. Marquise Goodwin right now is penciled in as the three. He's competing with guys like Dez Lewis. I'm not sure if he'll play this week, though, because he just came back from injuries. And then there's Greg Little. So I'm looking to see if Marquise Goodwin can solidify his spot at the number three wide receiver. Tyrod didn't play a lot last week. But in the little bit of reps that he did have, he threw a beautiful deep ball to Marquise Goodwin, and he just couldn't corral it. So I want to see if Marquise can bounce back this week and put some depth or put some distance, rather, between him and the rest of these uh, third-tier wide receivers.
1: I'd like to see that as well, especially because a guy like Walter Powell is just nipping at his heels right now. Yeah. For me, another position I'd like to see is uh, Corbin Bryant, Jarrell Worthy. I'd like to see more of those guys along the D-line there because one of them is going to have to step up with this void of Marcel Darius now. So that's something I'm going to watch pretty carefully there. And I want to see how Duke Williams is going to take on, you know. Stephon Gilmore is obviously taking on the main duty with Odell. But I want to see how Duke Williams does there. And on the backside, Darby and Sterling Shepard is going to be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah,
2: yeah. And um, Duke Williams, again, he's another guy who might be fighting for his job um, at the safety position. But he made he made pretty good last week. He made a lot of plays. He uh, he came in nice on the blitz, got to the quarterback. He was all over the place, too. So definitely want to look out for him. But like you said, too, with Darby, going into his second year now, here he is against this rook, Sterling Shepard. And we all know about Sterling Shepard and what he can do. So I want to see that that challenge between the two young guns there, so.
1: Oh yeah, people are sleeping on Sterling Shepherd. I know yeah. he's going to become a trendier name, especially after the catch he made last week and before that. But this is a guy who put up big time numbers at Oklahoma too. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised you said Duke Williams' roster spot's in danger though. Yeah, well, I mean, because obviously Aaron Williams, if he was
2: if he was healthy, he was supposed to be uh, the starter. But uh, Duke Williams is another guy too, though. Um, like he, he's been here for a while. He hasn't always always kind of lived up to expectations, but they've added some other guys at safety. So he's one of those guys like it's just not a clear cut that he's going to that he's going to make this team.
1: Okay. I think cuz of Aaron Williams' health that's why I think he will be on this roster. Yeah. But I'm, I'm still I'm still a bit surprised. No love for Duke. Eh? Well,
2: there's there's Buddy from uh that they brought over from uh New England. Right now his name is uh escaping me at the moment. He was one of the guys that they added from New England. Jonathan Meeks? No, not Meeks. Um <sighs> I have to search it up. But, yeah, there's just a little bit of a position battle going on there with safety. That's the only reason. Like, I mean, obviously, he's probably the favorite, but it's just not a slam dunk is what I'm trying to say.
1: Okay. I could buy that. I could buy that. Any other guys that might jump out to you that are in danger of losing their spot on the roster?
2: Any other guy?
1: I know you mentioned Duke, so I wonder if there's anybody else.
2: Yeah. Um, anybody else that's in danger of losing their spot? Not not that I can think of, but uh, with going back to to the Bierman signing, that isn't necessarily a slam dunk that he makes this roster to. Like, I know we were talking about maybe Eric Stryker can uh, man that outside job. There's a couple other guys, too, who are fighting that outside linebacker. So I want to see, you know, what he can do. You know, I want to see why it is that the Bills decided to give him a chance. So I want to see what he can do this week against the Giants, Corey Bierman.
1: Yeah, I'd love to see Croy Beamman actually step up and do something because he kind of faded a bit in his last year in Atlanta. Yeah, this is a guy that's been in the league for a long time though. Yeah, nine years. He's uh, he's seen it all in that regard. Yeah, but at the same time, that's a lot of miles on that body. So I'm curious to see how he'll do as well. I can even see the Bills using him in strictly like a, a second team role, rotational player. He can play all special teams, so that's a big bonus for him. So I think he, his value might lie as being a versatile piece as opposed to a genuine starter.
2: Yeah. No, and for sure. And, like, he he brings that experience, as we were mentioning before. So, like, compared to some of the young bucks, you kind of just got to give him the edge there. And he's a guy who started a lot of games. But, again, yeah, I just want to see what it is that made them sign him. So I'm eager to see him this weekend.
1: I'm not going to ask you for a prediction because it's a preseason game. (laughs) We'll save that kind of stuff for the regular season. Yeah. But when you look at this whole roster and the way it's kind of shaped out so far through almost the midway point of training camp. Yeah. Are you worried about this team heading into the regular season?
2: It's it it's hard not to be as I exhale. Like I mean just just all the injuries, like you know, you started at the top. Like you've lost your first round pick and your second round pick and you know on defense the Bills had a disappointing season to say the least last year. And so you address these needs hopefully in the draft and then you can't get these guys on the field. And then to make matters worse, you know, key contributors Um, Marcel Darius on the line, you know, your star defensive tackle, he's going to miss four games. You know, your backup running back, you know, your your red zone pounder, Carlos Williams, he's not there. You know, then you talk about edge rushers, Manny Lawson, you know, we're not sure if he can start the season. Like, it's really hard not to think that it's going to be a tough year, to say the least, for the Bills. Like, I mean, the offense, I'm not too worried about. Because, again, every, everybody's back and everyone's healthy for the most part. Second year for Tyrod, he had the whole off season knowing he was a starter. But the defense, man, the defense is just making me worried, to say the least. So
1: I get the same vibe. And when I look at this team more and more, I go, okay, unless the offense puts up gaudy numbers yeah. and ball control to the extreme, yeah. I'm really concerned, especially when their first four games are against Baltimore. Arizona, the Jets, and the Patriots. Th- those are four teams that, you know, the, the Bills can realistically start the season 0-4. Yeah,
2: no, for sure. And like you say, can the offense carry the team? I mean, that's that's going to have to be left to seeing Because, again, it's not it's not an explosive offense, or, or it can be. Like, I mean, Sammy downfield, Tyrod's got a big arm. But, like, this is not a team that you expect to just go out there and put up, you know, what, 20, 20 to 30 points every single week. Like I don't know, like average. I don't know if that's that's the type of offense that the Bills have. So yeah, like it, it's gonna the defense for sure. Guys are gonna have to step up and just kind of give the offense, kind of give the offense some help too.
1: Yeah, because that's a lot of points for us. I'm gonna put up there, yeah. twenty to thirty points, especially when you're going against defenses. Yeah. Like we just said, the first four games there, yeah. the Jets and Cardinals in particular. Those are two defenses that can eat them alive. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean I guess the only the only bright side is that, you know, you got a lot of these guys coming back maybe after four games. Like with Darius, it's just four games, he'll be back week five. Same goes with Carlos Williams. Again, Monty Lawson, we think he should be ready. Cordy Glenn should be ready by the, the start of the season. So that that's the only positive. But I mean, yeah, just, just with those those two guys – well, with Reggie Raglan gone for the whole season and then Shaq Lawson probably gone for half the season is definitely just just disappointing. But you gotta rally, right? Like I mean, all these guys are NFL players. You know, they're all here for a reason. You know, they deserve to be in the league. So you just gotta step up and make plays. The, the next man up is the, the theory really, so
1: to the fullest. We're gonna find out what this Bills team's made out of early on, if they can overcome adversity or not too. Yeah. For sure,
2: because <laughs> like you said, those first four weeks, two divisional games, like you've got to figure stuff out in a hurry. You know, you don't want to start the season zero and two in the division. So
1: exactly, and that's my fear as well as that if this team gets out of the gate slow, zero and four, one and three, that could have a snowball effect that can literally just derail an entire season. Because I don't know if this team will have what it takes to kind of overcome that, especially a Rex Ryan led team. And I don't want to say that in a negative manner, yeah. but I'm just calling it what we've seen with him over the years. His teams, sure they're scrappy, but they're also not disciplined. They're very inconsistent. They're they're mediocre. They're eight and eight.
2: Yeah, and you talk about not being disciplined. Like there was a ton of penalties last weekend, and obviously that's something that Rex talked about. They had a problem too last year with penalties. So that that again plays to uh, you know Rex Ryan. You gotta you gotta get your guys in better shape and a little bit more disciplined. Because again, with all these injuries. You have all these guys missing. The last thing you want to do is shoot yourself in the foot with just a ton of penalties. It's not going to help you win games, obviously.
1: Thank you. I mean, mistake-free football can only help the Bills, and they've been anything but that, yeah. at least under Rex Ryan. I know it's only one year and now one preseason game, but what else can we go off If You go over this time with the Jets, it was up and down again. It's just nothing is consistent there, and it really worries me. Yeah.
2: No, for sure. Like, I mean <laughs> –
1: Bills fans, like, just, just have the team in
2: your prayers. Like, I mean, just it doesn't look good on paper, but, you know, they don't play the games on paper. It's played on the field. And like I said, we're going to see if a lot of these guys are going to step up and who's going to man up, and we'll see what happens.
1: And we'll find that out starting on Saturday, obviously, where they take on the New York Giants for their second preseason game at New Era Field. So that'll take that'll take a while getting used to calling it New Era Field, but we'll come around with it. Yeah,
2: definitely going to take some time. Like (laughs) it still feels weird, but I mean it's just an aftermath. But you know, eventually you're just going to acclimate. It'll feel like eventually we'll get to that point where you know we'll just call it New Era. It'd be just like the Ralph. So
1: (laughs) that's a good point. Actually, I don't know because you know we still some people still call the Roger Center for the Jays the Dome or the Sky Dome. So Yeah, yeah, yeah those are always those people will always be out there yeah I think on that note though we'll wrap this thing up when we we'll get out of here alright yeah I'm just really eager to see what happens this week with the Bills and then. see what they have to talk about next week yeah I can't wait I'm, I'm really excited to watch the second preseason game for a variety of reasons lots of camp battles going on so that'll be exciting to watch no doubt about it all right, guys, if you like what you're hearing, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Tip of the Tower. You can follow myself on Twitter at Chris Cranitz. You can follow Tristan on Twitter at Tristan J. Garnett. If you want to subscribe to the show, please subscribe to us on iTunes and SoundCloud at Tip of the Tower. And if you like what you're hearing again, leave us a review. Those always help as well. Rate the show, leave us a review, let us know what you think about it. Any feedback helps us at all times to improve the show. We always appreciate that. Thank you for listening, guys, and enjoy ushering in a new era on Saturday at New Era Field in Buffalo. Enjoy. Take care. Enjoy me, too, guys. See ya.